Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. Okay, this morning I want to preach an important message. It's a message that I was intending to preach about three months ago. Uh, It's been prepared for about six months. Uh, It was supposed to be a part of our annual C3 Growth Vision Series, Whole Heart. We like to do that series in March, and we will be doing so again from next year. Uh, However, this year, due to the disruption uh, of the Omicron outbreak at the time here in Auckland, uh, Whole Heart is now taking place over two weeks late next month. I wanted to bring this message this morning. Uh, because while it fits best within our Whole Heart series, it probably can't wait until the end of July. Uh, it was timely and urgent uh, in March, and now it's probably uh, overdue. Uh, so I want to bring this to you. Uh, I want to start by saying something that I believe that the Lord is saying to us as a church. Uh, In the lead-up to Whole Heart, we have a regular series in February called Drawing Near. Uh, It is a campaign of prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord for clarity of vision. And this year, in February, I sought the Lord and I requested that he would speak to me uh, about our church. Uh, To be honest, in February, I was feeling very disorientated uh, because we had had a couple of years of challenging, confusing, hectic, and disrupted years. And uh, I was definitely eager to hear from the Lord and to get orientated. I still am. But God is faithful and God speaks. And uh, here's one of the things that I believe that God was saying to our church As a result of our faith and our deeds, even in this difficult season, we have, as a church, gone from having clothes that don't quite fit to now having clothes that don't quite fit yet. Let me repeat that. We have, as a church, gone from having clothes that don't quite fit. They were too small to now having clothes that don't quite fit yet. So we had old clothes that were too small. Now we have new clothes and there's room for us to grow. Early last year, we were crying out for more room to move. Remember, we were saying every week we are committed to making room for people to make C3 grow their home. Now we've done what we said we were going to do. We've created the room, and now it's time to move. More specifically, it's time for us to grow into the spaces that we have created by faith. It's time for us to grow into the spaces that we've created by faith. And that is the sense that I have that will steer our vision and our direction as a church for this coming year. Now. 
One of the ways that we, as a church, need to grow into the space that we've created is with regard to our finances. And a regular part of our Whole Heart series is a reminder that the most crucial bottom line financial commitment that we ask for from all of you as members is regular generous financial contributions to the church that is in keeping with your income. Now I know that we've actually been talking directly a fair bit over the past couple of weeks about the budget and about our immediate need as a church for new and renewed financial contributors. But we've largely been talking pragmatically. Today, I want to talk theologically. I want to teach God's word. And I believe it's going to be helpful. Now this week, um, in my general course of reading, I read one of these texts in the New Testament that is given to the church uh, to assess the suitability of people for eldership or leadership, and also, uh, you know, as an ongoing tool uh, so that the church can make sure that people don't go awry. And I came across this text in, in 1 Peter 5, and I'll read it from verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God, this is to me, Shepherd the flock of God, not just me, but, you know, people like me. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Now look at this. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Now it's right for me to assess myself and uh, also for you to assess me on an ongoing basis, to ask the question, am I doing what I'm doing? Am I teaching what I'm teaching? Am I in this for shameful gain? Honestly, I think I'm more than happy to have the microscope put on me. I don't believe that I'm doing that. I believe that my main interest, my main concern is for the glory of God and for the health of the church. And so today, as I bring this message, that is my main concern. I want for the glory of God and for the health of the church. Our main text this morning is going to be 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. We'll get there soon enough. But why don't we start by opening our Bibles to Malachi 3. Malachi 3. The book of Malachi is a little book right at the end of the Old Testament. In fact, it's the very last book in the Old Testament. Now, I want to use my time this morning to plainly discuss a New Testament pattern for giving. I'm aware that there may be some here, and you are aware that we stand up each Sunday and we say, let's worship the Lord with our giving. But you've never really had a pattern for how Christians ought to do that clearly presented to you. And that's what I'm going to try to do this morning. You may have heard of tithing. Indeed, here at C3 Grow, 
you may sometimes hear someone stand up and lead us in this time of worshipping the Lord with our giving, and they refer to the giving of tithes and offerings. So here's my first question. What is tithing? Tithing was the basic pattern of giving set for the people of God in the Old Testament. From the very beginning, Israel was instructed to bring their tithes, that is literally a tenth, to God. They considered the first tenth part of everything that they had as belonging to the Lord. And they were law-bound to pay their tithes to the Levites, who then in turn were law-bound to tithe to the priests. And this was part of the pattern of the life and the worship in Israel. But when you read through the Old Testament, you discover that although this pattern was clearly communicated and understood, in times of spiritual indifference, the tithe was something that often fell into disregard. And when this happened, God would proactively confront the people about their faithless disregard. That is the context of Malachi 3, which is perhaps the most famous of all passages of Scripture relating to tithing. So let's read now Malachi 3. We're going to read from verses 6 through to 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, here's what's going on here. The people's failure to tithe, which amounted to robbing God, according to this text, is one example given amongst several examples given of Israel's evident spiritual and moral unfaithfulness to God. And yet, Even despite their unfaithfulness, the merciful call is clear. Return to me. Test me in this even. Test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you. And then all of the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight. Again then, in this great narrative of Scripture, here's what we see. Unfaithful people are met by a faithful God who calls out to them with love and mercy and he appeals to them that all that he has commanded them to do is fueled by a command for their good. 
Nevertheless, as we come into the New Testament, we can say with surety that tithing was at the heart of financial stewardship for God's people in the Old Testament, and it was a standard pattern of giving as worship in Israel. But here is where things start to get interesting. Tithing is not stated as an obligation for the people of God in the New Testament. It is a clearly prescribed pattern in the Old Testament. Yes, indeed, it was law. But it is not clearly reissued anywhere as an obligation for the people of God in the New. So, why is the New Testament so silent about something that the Old Testament was so vocal about? Now, if at this stage you think that the New Covenant allows you to be rich towards yourself and stingy towards God and your neighbors, the New Testament actually takes that idea right off the table. The New Testament doesn't talk a lot about tithing as such, but it talks about giving and generosity. It is without question that there is a clearly communicated expectation that Christians would be generous givers. What we are asking this morning is what is the New Testament pattern for Christian giving, not should Christians give generously. Listen, it is shamefully true that individuals from pulpits like this have twisted scripture publicly in order to solicit money. That's true. But it is also true, and I would suggest more common, that individuals twist scripture privately in order to seek to excuse themselves from giving as they ought. What we're after is, let's not twist scripture. Let's get a really good idea of what it says, and then let's obey it, right? That's my interest. So, back to this issue of the tithe and the New Testament. The New Testament does not reiterate, does not reestablish the tithe as a prescribed pattern for God's people. But then again, neither does it set it aside. So what do we make of that? Here's what I think. The New Testament does not say, make tithing your pattern. But nor does it say, don't make tithing your pattern. In other words, it doesn't say Christians ought to tithe. But nor does it say Christians ought not to tithe. Long story short, and we'll look more closely at 1 Corinthians 16, Here's what I think we can take from this. We are no longer law-bound to tithe. But we are free to tithe. We are no longer law-bound to tithe, but we are free to tithe. And we are also free to go beyond the tithe to greater degrees of Christ-exalting generosity. That's what I want. And I'll elaborate on that idea soon. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16. 
1 Corinthians 16. By the way, if you've been here for three weeks or so, you might be thinking, man, this church talks about money a lot. We're not going to be always talking about this, okay? Author and perfecter next week. You know, my goal uh, in preaching is I want to preach what the Bible says about any given subject as often as the Bible mentions it. To try to get the balance right. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writes, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Now, we're looking for a New Testament pattern of giving. Here's a pattern. Here's a pattern. On the first day of the week, set something aside as you may prosper. In other words, let your giving be regular and let your giving be proportionate. Now I'm going to say something about each of those. First, regularity. Paul says that this practice is to be performed, verse 2, on the first day of every week. At least a part of the intention for the offering was to meet the needs, look, of the saints. There is the sense that the saints had regular needs, and thus the giving, which was at least in part purposed to meet those needs, needed to be regular, not occasional, not erratic, not impulsive, not on a whim. The implication is that the giving needed to be regular because if the giving was not regular, there might be irregularity in the way that these needs would be met. In the same way, as a church, we have regular expenses. We have operating expenses, we have staff to pay, we have building expenses, we have ministries to fund, and yes, we have saints with needs whose needs we meet. For example, you may not know that we regularly support an elderly widow who found himself herself in financial hardship due to the loss of her husband. Jesus told us to care for the widows, and so we thought we should probably do that. So we do that. We regularly support children in Lautoka, enabling them to complete their education. Uh, without our support, these families simply would not be able to cover the costs of education, so we do that. We devote budgets to C3 Cares, which seeks to practically help people when they need it the most. Uh, these are just a couple of examples of the kind of things that we are to regularly do, and we can do, thanks to the regular giving and the faithful partnership and the work of the gospel. And we want to do this more and more. So we hope as we lift the rate of regular and generous financial contributions uh, from those who call C3 Grow Their Home, we're able to do that. But the first thing that we see in 1 Corinthians 16 is that their New Testament giving was regular. It was disciplined. You were able to set a budget to it. Secondly, it was proportionate. Okay, you see this in verse 2 in the phrase, as he may prosper. The NIV translates this phrase helpfully well in this way, in keeping with your income. Now listen, I don't know what your income is. 
and I'm happy enough to not know what your income is. I have no idea who gives what in this church. I uh, like to keep completely separate from that. Okay, So I don't know who's giving what, and I don't know who's earning what. But God does. It's not any of my business what your income is. It's not any of my business what you give. But if you give your life to Jesus, you make this his business. And God is the one with whom we all have to deal because he is the one who searches our heart and he knows whether my giving is in keeping with my income or not. He is the one who discerns the widow's might from the rich men's gifts. Now, so this, of course, is where this whole idea of a starting point or a pattern comes in. What exactly does it mean to give in keeping with my income? Well, if you were to ask me that question, I'd say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they had this thing called the tithe. And that's a good starting point. If you've never given regularly and proportionately to God, here is a good way to begin. Take a tenth part of what you have and set it aside for God. Now, I've told you before that I became a Christian on June 6th, 1999. And I became a tither on June 13th, 1999. I have been one ever since. I've never done it with a sense of slavishness and legalism. We're no longer law-bound to tithe. But we are free to tithe. And I've been doing it in Christian freedom ever since. And we are free and we are called to go beyond the tithe with generosity. To me, I see the tithe as the starting point and the bottom rung of New Testament generosity. If you want a theological argument for that, I can give it to you. Here's my encouragement to you. Concerning the offering here at C3 Grove. When you get paid, when you're setting up your budget, put something aside in keeping with your income. And if you're looking for a good place to start, start with the tithe. Now, as I draw to a close, let me say this. As a church, we need to grow into our new clothes. In this matter, we don't want half the people carrying the whole load. We want to be all in, and we want for each member to play their part. I know that if we can lift the rate and the regularity of generous giving at C3 Grove, it'll have a profound effect on the life of our church. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.